Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Bringing our news of the day, none other than Sharon Reed, host, commentator, TYT, sports contributor, all star. Always fascinating to have her analysis. Top story of the day, remember the guy who had a chair and he used the chair in order to provide defense to others. Well, he's still facing charges. Let's put up the picture full mass. I'm talking about the brawl as they call it in Alabama. They call it the river boat brawl. Keep that picture up. I want to first highlight the nuance of the titling given by most news outlets. It was an attack that led to a defense. If four or five African Americans would have attacked a white employee, the contextualization would not be brawl, it would be attack. Who did the attacking? Let's put them up full mass. They did. At least they were part of the, well, beginning of it. Mary Todd, 21, was charged with third degree assault, is being held, was being held inside of the city jail. The other three, at the time, Richard Roberts, 48, Alan Todd, 23, Zachary Shipman, 25, could be additional arrest. But the guy who is emerging as the face of this melee is Reggie Ray. Mr. Reggie Ray was the man holding the chair, all right? He is being defended by our dear brother, Lee Merritt, attorney at law. Let's put up Lee. Now he's making an argument here that I actually agree with. Let me give you the background. Nearly two months after the riverfront brawl or fight or jumping in Alabama, an, an, an attorney for a man involved is insisting that the attack led to the melee was driven by racism. Now I'm going to find an interesting point here, and you will too. Lee Merritt, an attorney representing Mr. Regeray, a black male facing disorderly conduct charges, after pummeling a man with a folding chair, says the assault on the lead deck hand, Mr. Damian Pickett, on August 5th, which prompted his co-workers and bystanders to join was in fact racially motivated. Merritt told Good Morning America that his client Ray was involuntarily roped into the disorderly conduct initiated by a violent white mob, okay? That is true, that is a statement of fact. Is it enough to overcome a de facto, yes I did it, but here's why. I will explain, during the GMA interview, the Merritt with Lee Merritt on Monday, Pickett told co-anchor Robin Roberts that he had asked a group of white boaters who were illegally parked in a spot at the dock designated for the Harriet to dinner and entertainment crews to move. They needed to move so the bigger vessel could park. But instead of cooperating, the group of boaters who had said, who he said had beers in hand, 
they grew irate. Video of the incident shows a white male punching Mr. Pickett. Punched him in the face, and then the other boaters started to attack Mr. Pickett as he attempted to defend himself against the assault. This man just put his hand on me. I was like, it's my job, but I'm still defending myself at the same time. So when he touched me, I was like, it's on, Pickett said. <laughs> his coworker, 16-year-old Aaron Hamilton Rudolph told GMA he couldn't stand by and watch Pickett being beaten. So he jumped into the water and swam to the deck. We all remember that, he was like a mermaid. It's really swim really fast, beautiful actually. Put up the picture of the man in charge. Here's your, your police chief. So Pickett's coworker, um, Rara, also rushed to help his friend. He told GMA that he heard the group using racial slurs. Pickett said they used some nasty words. The mother of one of the coworkers who was attacked by the mob told police in a sworn statement, you could hear the men yelling, F that N word. But you see the chief, you're looking at the guy who's in charge of the investigation. He has held multiple press conferences, talked about his willingness to look at all evidence on record. However, the four people from the private boat arrested for that fight are all only facing misdemeanors. None of them have been hit with a hate crime offense. Montgomery Police Chief Albert Pickett said police looked at every avenue and left, quote, no stone unturned, but were unable to present any insight in a riot or racially biased, or racially biased charges at this time. That's according to AL.com, okay? So let's back up just a minute. The same evidence that you see, they see. They actually see more evidence. Now, could this be a statutory misinterpretation? Meaning somehow, even though we see the same thing, the statute will say, but you need to have A, B, and C qualifiers in order for this to happen. Meaning a hate crime charge. No, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, typically the words that are used in the moment of aggression are utilized as the good faith basis necessary in order to properly affix a hate crimes charge. Other times, circumstantial evidence may exist such as racist um, rhetoric on Facebook or inside of their manifesto. Those things can count as well. But if a person is literally calling you a racial slur in the moment of criminal aggression. If that's not enough to meet the standard of a racially motivated attack, please tell me what is. I'm, I'm waiting, I would like someone to explain to me, what more can you do than be racist vocally in the moment of criminal aggression and not be charged? I don't understand this, it doesn't make sense to me. All right, so I think the police chief, I think he's afraid of something, not doing his due diligence. Obviously, this was a racially motivated attack, and it was an attack, it was completely unprovoked. All right, Sharon, what say you?
that hate okay. crime hate crime laws don't work. Um, they are designed not to work, if you will. Um, and this is just another case of it. They're fake protection. It's yep. fake under the law. It's, I don't know what else to say about it, except the man who wielded the chair to me is a hero. The chair is an honorable mention. That's where I stand, Doc. Yeah, fame. It's a beautiful thing. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. You know, we talk about the history associated with police officers being really compassionate to individuals who commit, well, let's just say mass murder or other violent offenses. If they happen to be white, in particular, if the individual who did the crime is a white male. That is not hyperbole. We have the facts. Let's put the first picture up for mass here. I'm going to give you a breakdown that is simply 100% required, all right? There's a history, we'll keep that picture up. There's a history of violent white suspect being coddled by police officers. Bruce C.T. Wright of News One did an extensive breakdown of the history of violent white individuals who were taken into custody, custody with loving care by the police. Not professionalism, loving care, as if they endorsed the action. Professionalism would have been fine. Wright cited nearly 40 plus examples of this occurring in the column. There's a lot there. I'm gonna go to Florida. Nicholas Arnold Schock, a self-described Trump supporting white supremacist with a huge swastika tattoo on his chest. Caused a racist disruption at a restaurant, threatened to sexual assault one woman and then physically attacked another. When the police finally arrived, there was no brutality to be seen. No reckless shoving of the suspect's head into a squad car. Instead, there was some jovial joking taking place as the suspect was carefully eased into the back of the police cruiser. In another stunning example, an armed white male who allegedly shot and injured a police officer after barricading himself in a home during a contentious standoff with law enforcement, managed to be peacefully arrested in North Hollywood, California. That was in June. Police responded to a reported active shooting and somehow took the armed man into custody without resorting to, without resorting to the lethal force we see officers use so many times with unarmed black people. And then we have West Hollywood. This came nearly two weeks after Peter, excuse me, Manfredonia, a suspected double murderer, who was also accused of a range of other violent crimes, was safely taken into custody without police resorting into a violent act, let alone lethal force. Peter was arrested in Maryland six days after he allegedly killed a 62-year-old man with a machete, held another man hostage, stole the hostage's gun, vehicle, multiple guns. 
killed a former classmate, kidnapped a former classmate's girlfriend in her car in Connecticut. What about these two guys? Remember them? The ones who killed a young black male for existing inside of their community. They killed Ahmaud Arbery, father-son duo Gregory and Travis McMichael, who are on video shooting the young jogger. They were gently handled during their arrest, so much so that the DA covered it up. The officers who responded were told not to arrest either one of them. Even though one officer said he wanted to, I was told to stand down. That DA has been charged with crimes. Benjamin Murdy of Hartford County, Maryland, fired nearly 200 rounds from a rifle and a handgun while police never fired a single shot back at him. That's according to WMAR Baltimore. After a half an hour, an hour and a half, excuse me, standoff with Hartford County Police, the Maryland man eventually called 911, turned himself in. Despite the evident threat, Murdy posed to the arresting officers a threat that resulted, has resulted in the killing of many black suspects. Murdy, who was taken into custody peacefully, was later charged. What about Serena Probus, Florida woman? Was accused of two separate violent felonies, one of which the 20 year old admitted to being, quote, too high on cocaine to remember. The Tampa Bay Times reported, despite the clear threat to the safety of the arresting officers, a threat that police have quickly killed black suspects over even when the threat wasn't real. Probus was somehow able to be peacefully taken into custody and as a result, smiled proudly in the mugshot. Was very happy that everything worked out for her. Jerry Kelly decided the best reaction to four black teenagers who knocked on her door while fundraising for their high school was to pull a gun on them and keep her firearm aimed at them until the police arrived. While the obviously racist episode that unfolded in Arkansas resulted in her being arrested, and Kelly being arrested, excuse me, it took the Wine County or Wine Police Department, which arrived at the scene to see Kelly holding the boys at gunpoint while they were forced to lie on the ground five days before they figured out, you know, that's probably illegal what, what happened there with minors. Also considered the treatment received by Amber Geiger, the officer who literally went into somebody else's home, killed them. During her trial, after she was sentenced for going into the wrong home, fatally shooting a black male eating ice cream on his, on his couch. The judge gets off the bench, hugs the convicted killer. The cop decides to do her hair at the trial. Robert Aaron Long was arrested for allegedly going on a deadly shooting spree at multiple Asian massage parlors in Metro Atlanta. I remember it well, leaving at least eight people dead, six of them Asian women. There was no motive for the shooting immediately announced. 
But the killings came as a report or multiple reports of anti-Asian violence was sweeping across the nation. Despite being a suspected mass murderer who led police on a car chase before he was arrested, Long still managed to be taken into custody without incident. How about this fella, Kyle Rittenhouse? Remember Kyle? The night he shot at least three people, killed two during a protest against police shooting. The police shooting specifically of Mr. Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Prior to Rittenhouse's shooting spree, video footage showed a local law enforcement, a local law enforcement team seemingly consulting with the teenager. Who was too young to even legally own the AR-15 assault rifle. He was brandishing while speaking with the cops. You know the guy who bought him the rifle? Well, he got arrested for it. He got a criminal penalty for that. That could be why it took more than 12 hours to peacefully arrest the suspect who should have been considered armed and dangerous while he was actually armed and dangerous. And this one, this was in June 2015, nine churchgoers gunned down at the African Methodist Episcopal Church, downtown Charleston, South Carolina. The killer, Dylan Roof, he was treated so kindly by the police that after he was apprehended, they took him to Burger King before taking him to lock up. Now, there are many more examples. I just don't have enough show to give them all to you. But do you get the picture? No one is saying that these individuals should have died in police custody. I'm saying the opposite. I'm saying individuals who have died in police custody or have died because police assumed that the black male was dangerous, but he was not. That the black male was armed, but there was no gun. That the black male who was simply present was a present threat. Those individuals died, black men and black women, dead. So obviously, police officers are able to be more than professional. They can even be courteous without crime getting under their skin, unless you happen to be of a particular skin color. All right, sharing thoughts here. Well, it's illustrative that we are living in a country where we already know something to be true. If you are black and brown, you're not worth this much, you're not worthy of empathy, you oftentimes don't matter. It really is that simple. Yesterday, my daughter and I, returned from international travel and we went through customs. And I watched a black person who was working in customs and in charge tell a white man stop because he accessed an area that he should not have gone into. He kept going, he shouted something back at her and he waved her off. And I thought, well, when will police storm in and tase and take him out? You know, they'll have mm. on riot gear, it never happened. It, that, once they step in the courtroom, it's even worse, Dr. Ritchie. Remember Regina Chu and Kim yep. Potter's case? She had the nerve to quote Barack Obama. She cried and said, you gotta empathize with this officer. White woman tears, this is America today. This is America. Yep. Now that's, that is for everyone who may question if there's unequal treatment, all right? Our big ups to news one and the writer who did a remarkable job 
Okay, we knew it was coming mainstream. Here it comes. Racist clothing line. All right. Yep. Um, let's put it up for a mass. Okay. Donald Trump has made being racist sexy again to racist people. Clothing line will to rise is the name. Targets racist individuals seeking they want street fighter fitness for race war. The company makes sports gear for white nationalists, including muscle tees, track jackets, militant active wear pants, boxing gloves, and hoodies emblazoned with cultured thug on them. Kid you not. The company specifically markets to members of active clubs, a global network of white supremacists who um, tribe and train, okay? The members of these tight-knit local chapters pursue street fighter fitness in advance of an anticipated race war or other violent confrontation. The active club aesthetic is gym wear and mixed martial arts prowess, according to them. Uh, so let's put up some of the um, attire. All right, so there's your boxing gloves. So Will to Rise is also playing the role of a corporate sponsor for white supremacy events. The company staged a second annual MMA tournament this August in a Huntington Beach warehouse decorated with white power flags all around. Many other fighters sported Will to Rise boxing gloves and other apparel. The company boasts its commitment to, and I quote, bringing high quality goods to our guys. Its white power symbols are often coded. Many items for sale carry the Roman numeral XIV, that's 14. And what is that about? That's what the neo-Nazi said. That's a reference to the 14 words, a dark oath about securing the existence of our people and a future for white children, end quote. Uh, there's a video montage on the Slick Will to Rise homepage that's a little more explicit. Let's go to it. Here it is. All right. So, white unity, action today, victory tomorrow, rise. All right. It's programming is what it is. All right. So, let's put this one up. Their mission. Yeah, they have a mission statement. All right. So they got this, our mission. The company's white only ethos extends to what Will to Rise labels its ethical supply chain with products exclusively made in Eastern Europe. So not a single hand touches the production that is not of like mind, end quote. The mission continues, we keep our people employed and keep all funds within our ranks. Active clubs are the brainchild for Robert Rundo, a white nationalist from Orange County, California. Rundo previously led a street fighting group called the Rise Above Movement. Federal prosecutors have described RAM Ram as a combat ready militant group that's part of a new nationalist white supremacy and identity movement. You need to know who these people are. Rundo was also driving a force in the creation 
of the Will to Rise clothing brand. The Southern Poverty Law Center recently included Will to Rise among entities it labels white nationalist hate groups. Rundo was indicted on federal charges of conspiracy to riot in 2019, stemming from Ram actions in Huntington Beach, Berkeley, and San Bernardino. Rundo alluded capture decamping to East uh, Eastern Europe, where he continued to organize around his violent brand of white supremacy, including morphing Ram into a decentralized network of active clubs, taking away centralization. The 33-year-old was collared in Romania in March, and his extradition to the US was announced August 2nd. He's pleaded not guilty to the conspiracy to riot. Charges is expected to go to trial in December. Now, see, this is a good opportunity for the federal government to employ what's called the RICO Act, or maybe a state government, maybe a local prosecutor. You see, the RICO Act, even in the contextualization of state application, allows for a local DA to affix the charges and travel anywhere within that state. The charges take them, doesn't have to simply be in that local jurisdiction. But see, typically, law enforcement, prosecutors, they don't get creative with white supremacists. They get creative with, let's say, a teenager who made a, you know, unwise decision. They get real creative about prosecuting them. New laws will be established to prosecute them. New gang laws. Why is it that when we see prosecutions of basically members of the Klan, they're never prosecuted under the gang law? Because it applies based on the reading of the statute, but you rarely see it actually done. I wonder why. Maybe because the statute wasn't written for white supremacists. Not that kind of gang, written for another kind of gang. Sharon, thoughts here. You know, it's worse than uh, the disgusting racist who came up with this Lululemon for white power, as they are describing right. it. Um, is that there is quite a market for this. It has legs, as they say, Dr. Ritchie, and that says everything we need to know about us. It also seems to be that there, is this thing in America where we're collectively proud of our worst moments in history? If this was Germany, they're mm. still denouncing the, the worst parts of their history. Mm -hmm. But here we are in America. Here we are. That's such an excellent point. It's, it's as if we, we've become polar opposite to other nations that have already had to deal with this dynamic. Um, assuming, many assumed that when President Obama was elected, we entered a Post-racial society. Remember, people said that. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, quite the contrary. All right, You're wrong. I got something for you. Lighten the mood a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a In Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life.
Hossein, MAGA supporters. Let's put up a screenshot here. They are yelling, harassing, flashing lights into a migrant housing center, trying to disrupt their dignity, their ability to simply do what's human, which is to rest it, to go to sleep. Staten Island MAGA being deranged decided this was a good idea, showing their true color. And I'm not talking about skin, I'm talking about inside. Let me say this very clearly. The same people who are doing this, the same individuals who will engage in such hate. I mean, literally, they are outside at night behind a fence with a high power flashlight, probably bought the flashlight just for this purpose, to yell and scream, to disrupt a person or people lives who are already in disruption. Just to make it known they are racist, they don't like them, and they are, as they say, illegal. Now, here's the thing, Karen, Karens, no human being is illegal. It's no such thing. And while you all, I'm sure, go to probably the first Baptist church in your local community, the Jesus in the Bible that you claim to represent was a man of color. And if he came to America, he would be a migrant. And he would be in that building. Sharon thoughts. This was in Staten Island, which is quite ironic, right? It doesn't that lady stand tall and well, yeah. Ellis Island, but it's still an island. Yeah. I think that these folks don't yet understand who's really in the minority here. Mm. They don't understand who's in the minority. And by the way, they stopped traffic. They intercepted the bus. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's this is violent. You are in the minority, Karen, male Karen, cousin Karen's. You're not gonna run this. Yeah. Well but they're said. not gonna go away without a fight. That's right. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. Let me read a couple of these amazing comments. Don't have a lot of time, but definitely want to make sure I acknowledge some of the amazing comments that I know. We'll be here. Um, uh, Don't forget, make sure you get the book. Justice is coming. It's here. Much anticipated, right? Okay, yep, Lynn, white nationalist clothing, trying to make whites into fashionitas. I see what you did there, I like that, yeah. Don't say it too loud, because they may actually adopt that, all right, given their current trajectory. Uh, Riverboat brawl update, thank you for that. Um, Cracker Jack, chairs are illegal, you know, like nunchucks. <laughs> Darren Jackson, I said it before and I'll say it again, Donald Trump is taking America back to actions. That was taking place in the 60s. This is how people reacted when they decided to segregate schools. Good point. And snack underscore Panther member for 13 months. Thank you for that. Hello, Dr. Richie, the gorgeous Sharon Reed. Keep doing the people's work. 
Hashtag free soul life. That's right. And Randy Graves, welcome to Indisputable. Thank you so much for joining the Truth Train. Okay. Um, Poster found. Whites only. Whites only. Okay. Put it up full mass. Let me go ahead, go ahead and give you the background to this. Posters promoting a fight only mother and children play group across two Canadian cities have sparked outrage, obviously, in the communities and online. One of them was glued to a bus stop, a suburb in a suburb of Vancouver in British Columbia. The poster reads, join us for whites only moms and tots. The heading of the poster says, are you looking for somewhere your children can play with others that look like them? It continues. Are they tired of being a minority in their schools or daycares? Escaped, forced diversity. And join other proud parents of European children as we create an atmosphere in which our kids can feel like they belong. Invest in your child's sense of well-being and racial identity by giving them the gift of time spent amongst their own people because they deserve it. A link on the poster leads to a telegram group titled um, White Tricity's Parents and Tots. And the group's page has over 200 subscribers, according to CBC News. Uh, the officials of the local community said they saw other social media photos of posters around the city. However, officers could not find the posters when they arrived. CBC News reported that partially removed signs were also discovered in a shopping mall. As well, response from the mayor, quote, as soon as it was brought to our attention, bylaw officers immediately searched the area and all bus stops, but no signs were present, perhaps being removed uh, by someone else. So the mayor said that his name is Brad West. This bio garbage isn't welcome in our community, community or anywhere else. Um, and we concur, we agree, it should not be in that community or anywhere else. Yes, agreed. Now, where's this actually coming from? Um, this is coming from the heart never changing, but the rules did. So some of the laws changed, policies changed. The social normality changed. So much so that those who had the heart to be racist knew they could not be racist in public. That was part of the strategy of Dr. King. If you listen to some of his interviews, he talked about his Southern strategy and why it was necessary to make sure cameras or the media was present. It created a social construct that made the behavior abnormal once judged in the public arena. They only can exist and thrive inside of a bubble, according to the strategy. But now something very different is happening. You literally have them being open on social media, making clothing lines, bold about it. Hell, one of them was able to get a meeting with the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, before Trump officially announced he's running for president. Sharing thoughts. It's more of the status quo. It's just my thought, Dr. Ritchie. I, um, I often wonder, why the self-esteem outwardly, the ability to think so highly of oneself seems so inherent to a group of people. What makes you think I want to be part of your particular group when you're so vile and nasty? 
Why do you think I, I want to be part of it? We have to change the narrative. Go on and be by yourself as if these are the values you espouse. This is what you need to do. Go it alone. Well said. There you go. All right. Monique and her husband, Sydney, told the gospel truth. Here it is. Hey, my sweet babies, I'm Monique. And I'm Sydney. And we're coming to y'all today to let you know we're standing with all the unions that are striking right now. And we have a story that we must share of our own with the community. Countess Vaughn and I did a show called The Parkers. The Parkers has now been on air for 24 years. And they're trying to convince us through our ownership of the show that we made absolutely no money. And it's baffling being that when you have a conversation with the executive producers and they allude to the fact that the show in its entirety, five years, was made for under $70 million. It went out of production in 2004, but by 2009, we see profit participation statements that show the program made over $700 million, but yet was in a close to a billion, if not a billion dollar deficit. So what we're asking you, CBS, is can you please treat these two black women fairly? When our brother Dave Chappelle, who ironically had a deal with CBS, said he signed a deal out of desperation and it was a bad deal, they were able to go back and do the right thing. And they made that deal fair and they paid Dave Chappelle what he rightfully deserved. What we're asking you, CBS, don't pay us any more, but don't pay us any less. And the reason why we're having this conversation out loud for the community to hear is this. We see the numbers and they still don't want to pay. What will happen to you when you don't even know the numbers exist? So we're asking you, and when we say community, we mean community as in the ones that's fighting for equality. Will you stand with us? CBS, will you treat us fairly? We love y'all for real, my babies. Let's put the picture up full mass. Um, CBS, you need to pay these black women their money. So Monique and Countess Vaughn were not paid to the tune of what they earned. And somebody is playing hide the pickle according to Monique and Sydney. Monique released a video Tuesday asking CBS to pay her and the co-star for their work on the sitcom The Parkers. Highly popular program at its time, still, still in massive rotation on multiple networks. The actor and comedian shared the video on Instagram several months after she sued CBS and Paramount in Los Angeles County Superior Court for breach of contract, alleging that she and others did not receive their fair share of profits from the successful TV comedy. At the top of the video, Monique and her husband, Sidney Hicks, expressed their support for the Hollywood actors and writers strikes, which have prompted a number of people to speak out about the lack of residual pay and have received, uh, they have received for their work on hit TV series such as The Parkers. The Parkers, a spinoff of another popular show, Moesha, which also starred Monique and Vaughn. They were like hit makers at this time in sitcom world. All right, it was a mother-daughter duo, Nikki and Kim Parker. Uh, I enjoy the program myself. Uh, we're coming to y'all, it says, to let you know 
we're standing with all unions that are striking now. Now, naturally, we know that there has been some level of permeation and agreement. Monique says in the clip, and we have a story that we must share with our own, with the, of our own, with our community. I'm glad they did so. Both the Writers Guild and the American Actors Guild and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists are seeking more transparency. This has been an ongoing fight. This is nothing new. So let me go to the genesis of it all. While the series has proven to be a major financial success for its producers and distributors, the series talent have not been permitted to share in the fruits of that success. Monique's attorney wrote in the filing, representatives for CBS did not immediately respond to the Times request for comment. Now I'm going to say this, whatever your personal feelings may be about Monique or Sydney, put that aside for a second. My personal feelings about Monique and Sydney are this, they are remarkable people. I know them both personally. I remember going to a university conversation. We had Monique as the guest. It was a small liberal arts college a few years ago. She agreed to do so. It was called Leadership Talks. Sharon Reed also did it as well. She was the first one at the university. And this was about having real conversations about ups, downs, ins, outs, all of it. Because all of it is part of who we are. And she has such an authentic conversation. Then Sydney, who's in the audience, he came up because we asked him to. He wasn't supposed to be a guest. He was willing to do that because that's what the students wanted. And he did. He came on stage and talked as well. And then after that, Monique did something I had never seen before. The place was packed. And everybody wanted to talk to Monique afterwards. Everybody wanted to spend a little time, hug a neck, take a picture. And she said, I'm going to stay here as long as everyone needs me to. But here's what I want to do. Every elder, every elder, I need you to come to the front. I got to talk to the elders first. So all the elders came to the front. And she literally stayed there for three additional hours. No camera. No report about that. See, I look at things based on heart. Those folks got heart. We all are human. And I'm going to say things that you don't like. You may say some things if I heard them, I wouldn't like. That is not the summation of who we are. The situation that Monique has presented is true based on narrative we already are aware of. Big executives, big companies are taking billions of dollars away from people who work hard. So I stand with Monique and Sydney, and I hope others echo the same. Sharon, thoughts here? Yeah, and I'll say this about those corporations, they're also trying their best to control the narrative. Mm. You know, thank goodness for some social media that's not, you know, got Elon Musk's hand in it, because you can still right. speak truth to power. And that's what Monique and Sydney are doing here. And when you want to attack the messenger, oftentimes, I know sometimes they've had a flamboyant way of going about things, maybe necessary, maybe you do or don't agree with it. But when you attack the messenger, 
oftentimes you don't want to deal with the details that that person is expressing. I just think that the world needs to understand if black women were to go on strike, everything would grind to a halt. Everything. All of it. That part. Well said. Hell of a thing. Uh, MAGA has declared war on Taylor Swift. This is going to be a mistake for them. Let's put up the picture full mass here. Okay. MAGA decided to go to war with Taylor Swift. It has been 24 hours of hate and venom from the right wingers directed at Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift after they were seen leaving the Kansas City Chiefs game together after a big win. Let's keep that picture up. So right wingers, Trump supporters are attacking Swift's liberal leaning political activism. But they've been doing this for a minute. It's been happening for a while. Now it has gone to the maximum level. Now Travis has also been vilified after he recently started doing commercials for Bud Light. All right, and also Pfizer. COVID vaccines. Isn't that something? Uh, now that Swift and Taylor Swift and Travis appear to be a couple, MAGA has doubled down on the hate. Yeah. Let's put it up. Uh, the Federalist. Uh, Taylor Swift's popularity is a sign of societal decline. No, Federalist. The fact that Trump got elected is a sign of societal decline, right? Nick Adams, Nick Adams, alpha male. Talking about Travis Neal on the national anthem, is doing ads for Pfizer, is doing ads for Bud Light, hates America. Taylor Swift hates America, hates President Trump, that part's true. Uh, and hates and, and loves communism. <laughs> Maybe they would be good together. Yes, and I'm sure they are actually happy if they're together. Together, I don't know for sure. Let's put up this one. Oh man. Mm. Santa Trump, Sarah McNamara. LOL, her teeny bopper followers can't vote anyways. Who cares what she thinks? Here's what Tommy Lauren had to say. It's the, it's news, the news that broke the internet over the weekend. Taylor Swift attended a Kansas City Chiefs game with none other than the mother of the player that she may or may not be dating, Travis Kelsey. Why people are so consumed with this is a little beyond me, given all the other perhaps more consequential things going on in the world. But hey, I can play along and recognize the significance of this pop culture moment in time. And let me just say this, her lefty, liberal, brain-dead political opinions aside, I am a fan of Taylor Swift, and I have been since way before she went full liberal. She's also single-handedly done more for the U.S. economy than any Democrat president maybe ever and when I heard the rumors of her and Travis Kelsey, at first I thought, there is no way this is going to last. I mean, he's an athlete. He's big. He's strong. And unlike her other boyfriends, looks like he can withstand a strong breeze without falling over or 
crying. So not necessarily her type, as you can see. Taylor Swift, Swift is dope AF, period. When she literally read her team, the riot act, because they didn't want her to have an opinion, a political opinion against Trump. And she broke it all the way down to them. She deserves a round of applause, in my opinion, not because she has an opinion, but because she stood up to folks she'd rather not. She was willing to be adversarial to people she would prefer to be friends with. That's a test of leadership, believe it or not. Leadership is not simply about who you are willing to motivate, but who you're also willing to offend when necessary. She was a leader. She's been one, all right? Um, I'm thankful uh, that she is continuing to be exactly who she is. I have no adverse opinion about Taylor Swift. I actually think she makes some dope music. A couple of tracks, I was riding with my goddaughter. She wanted to listen to Taylor Swift. And damn it, a few of those songs I bought my head to. All right, Sherry. Yes. You can't get them out of your head. Right. And when Glenwood's finest is uh, bumping to Taylor Swift in a custom That's right. ride. That's right. You better be careful what you ask for. Because <laughs> if Taylor Swift decides she wants to, I don't know, go on the campaign trail, you know, with the current president re-election bid. Yeah. Remove all sandbags, first of all, if she stands on stage with him. But if she says, hey, Swifties, get after it. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you vote. That could very well be it. Yeah. If one woman can do it. And then if Beyonce joins forces. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would I want be Beyonce it. to wear the Bumblebee outfit she wore at right. Renaissance. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, they got together to like probably... Do something with the space time yeah. continuum, right? Yeah. That'd be so catastrophic. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stick. All right, welcome back. Good to be with you. I got a couple of comments to read, kind of press for time. I am Sock says, it's pretty funny watching right wingers pretend they're not jealous of a pro football player who's dating Taylor Swift, <laughs> right? Uh, that's a good point. RFD underscore Raymoth underscore Dragon, uh, Tommy Lauren, Megan Robot. They're just jealous it's Taylor and not them. MAGA versus Swifties, no contest there. I know. They, they don't give a damn. All right. Okay. Um, a racist man, a racist. Well, United Auto Workers, not a good idea. Put up the picture for a man. Sometimes people leave the house with a bad plan, I think this is one of them. Images obtained by Fox 2 Detroit shows multiple United Auto Workers getting into, let's call it a melee, with a man sporting a neon green shirt who they say spewed racial slurs at them. This was in Detroit on Friday, the man is seen tussling with the group for a few seconds before attempting to escape. While walking backward with his fist up, the man fell. The group struck the man a few times before the fight was broken up by a bystander in a white t-shirt. It appears the man and the group have a brief back and forth before he is escorted to his vehicle. You see the pictures here. 
according to the news, according to the news, a UAW official, UAW official said the man used racially offensive language and decided to throw things at them. He noted that the group was targeted and not violent or instigating fights. The man also reportedly moved as if he had a weapon in his possession. Okay, note none of the UAW members who are striking for higher pay and benefits were arrested. The outlet reported people on social media were on the side of the workers and questioned the man's actions. One user said, quote, some people didn't learn a thing from the Alabama incident, referring to the viral summer clash in Montgomery Riverfront Park. Now there is adverse commentary on social media saying, well, why did they fight him just for speech? That's not what they did. The man was aggressively approaching. He seemed as if, based on his actions, according to the witnesses, he motioned as if he had a weapon. Now, at this point, at this point, when it is seemingly a reality that there's a, an imminent threat of life, then you definitely can engage. You can engage when there's an aggressive action toward you. So there's absolutely nothing illegal about what these particular workers did. And guess what? The man's alive, all right? I can't say the same would have happened to a black male at a Trump rally, all right? Okay, sharing thoughts here. I guess I'm just wondering how other outlets are covering it. And I know you've sampled some. I wonder when Fox News will claim Antifa. (laughs) Okay, exactly. listen, they were throwing things. Doing things, they were trying to shut up the workers. And so, well, that's what yep. price of admission is, I guess. Yeah, there it is. All right. Hell of a thing. This is in New York. White neighbor and German Shepherd owning woman who's down prominent, holds down a prominent black doctor and their dinner party guest in a plush. New York City suburb because they were too loud. So Dr. DeRoso is known for being the first physician in the US to receive the COVID vaccine back in 2020. But a black doctor in New York and his wife, they were having a dinner party by 15 guests. When an unidentified white woman showed up in a large menacing, with a large menacing German shepherd and demanded that the music playing in the backyard be turned down. So excuse me, the narrative is that she asked it to be turned down. All the guests were black um, or Latino, except for one individual. So at 9.50 PM, this is your background, uh, the party was actually winding down. So the party was dispersing. The female defendant, known as Jane Doe, entered the home uninvited, just walked in. Walked in with a large German shepherd, that's a threat. I know some people that would have shot that person right there, but I digress. And demanded that the music playing in the backyard be turned down. That's according to the lawsuit. Uh, So the good doctor told the woman in the party that it would be ending soon and requested that she leave his property. He requested, hey, ma'am, do you mind walking outside of my home? Before he returned to his yard to continue socializing. According to a civil lawsuit filed by the doctor, When the party did not end, the white neighbor grabbed his backyard hose and started soaking the guest, creating a scene reminiscent of the 1960s Birmingham, Alabama, 
when white law enforcement officers used fire hoses to assault and batter African Americans participating in civil rights demonstrations in an attempt to get them to comply and disperse the complaint states. The suit alleges that Rose Brock increased the pressure of the hose during the alleged attack so that it was extremely powerful and stinging in nature. The guests remained deeply scarred by the alleged ordeal and were made to feel less than human. All right, let's put up the community to get an idea of area. So the, the complaint also states that the neighbor, Marcus Rose Brock, turned the hose on the guests again and again until they were drenched and thoroughly humiliated. Uh, the doctor's suit claims, among other things, that Rosebrock violated the civil rights under Title VIII of the New York City Administrative Code, alleging he interfered with their rights. And I agree, actually. Uh, the couple, uh, they have not held a backyard event since the incident and have essentially become prisoners in their own home. Um, Yves and Claude uh, DeRosso, along with all 15 guests, the caterer, the chef, are now demanding that Rose Brock fork over undetermined monetary damages for the mental anguish and emotional distress. They say he and the dog lady, who is identified in the complaint as Jane Doe, caused them. All right. Um, that's criminal assault. All right. We should have a mugshot, not just a civil suit. Just so you know, Doc, the statute of limitation in your jurisdiction is two years, just in case. Any one of you 15 folk want to press charges, every one of you have the authority to do so. Isn't that something? Takes the water hose, turns it up full power, and decides to do this to a group of individuals. Sharon thoughts. Yeah, and I think he, you know, this wasn't about the music. He knew exactly right. who lived there, accomplished black people. He knew that they were um, sophisticated, leading in their fields, important, so to speak. Not that it matters. Uh, this is racist conduct, and it deserves, as you said, for people to have mugshots and have been carried off yeah. in cuffs. I was looking up the age of the accused perp, Rose Rock, I think you said, Doc. Yeah. Only 48. Otherwise, I would say, check his history. Was he in Selma? Was he on the Pettus Bridge that day right. using yeah. the hoses there? That's what they did. Who in the hell would think to do something like that to a, a neighbor? Racist. Yeah. Good gracious. All right. We will bring you updates as they come. Um, like I said, I hope somebody presses charges. That's a criminal act. We got more on the other side. Indisputable. Stick and stay. We have an indisputable exclusive. What have I told you that one black person was discriminated against racially profiled at two locations? Let's put up the picture full mass. This is going to be, well, one of those stories. Instagram influencer Cassandra Wilcox has hired nationally renowned civil rights attorney Harry Daniels after Office Depot employees. Office Depot employees racially profiled her son, Anarion Wilcox, and falsely or falsely stealing printers from stores in Atlanta and Marietta, according to the press release. Also, the incident occurred on September 13th, 
2023, when the son went to the office depot. This was in Atlanta. This is store number 434. Pick up a number of craft class printers, according to his mother. Due to her pregnancy and on doctor ordered bed rest, Ms. Wilcox asked her son, Can you go pick up the purchase for me? And she had an upcoming class she was teaching. So naturally, the dutiful son did so. All right, let's put it up. Once he picked up and paid for the first set of printers at Office Depot store number 434, according to the press release, Wilcox then traveled to Office Depot store number 6437 in Marietta, Georgia to purchase the rest. When he exited the store, however, he was approached by police officers who blocked his car, searched him, questioned him about the printers. Well, there's your receipt, both of them, okay? It turns out that an employee at Office Depot store number 6437 had called 911 and told dispatch not only that Wilcox was stealing the printers, but that he had done the same at another location, another store earlier that day. Facing that accusation, Wilcox quickly complied with the officer's request, showed them the receipts he had from both stores, proving that he had purchased the printers instead of stealing them. Unsatisfied, the officers continued to harass the 21 year old, questioning, uh, well, well, why do you need all of these printers? What kind of work does your mother do? Let's put her up again. A mother who's pregnant on bed rest, still working, okay? Sends her young black son to do something very simple. Young man, can you go and Pick up these, these printers for me. They'll take a load off of me today. Can you do that for me? Son says, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I can do that. And then this happens to him. Cassandra Wilcox is a successful small businesswoman. She happens to also be a social media influencer. And until this incident, a loyal, loyal Office Depot customer. Um, having spent more than $5,000 on printers for her uh, craft classes, craft um, sublimation classes, after complaining to Office Depot, denied profiling her son, denied calling the police, denied accusing him of theft, okay? That's according to the report. Now, Office Depot, okay? According to the mother, you all said, no, we didn't call 911. We did not accuse your son of stealing. I got the 911 call. Go to it. So, what's going on is I have a potential suspect in my store that's already hit one of our Office Depot locations and stole printers. 
Um, it would have been in another area, but he's already went to one store not far from here, and now he's in my store trying to do the same thing. Okay. I've been contacting the hell out of him, so I already know what he's going to do, but I contacted my loss prevention, who told me to contact uh, the local police because they did have evidence of this person still in at the other location. Okay, and what's the um, name of the business for me? Office Depot. Office Depot, I'm sorry. Okay, Office Depot. All right, and I need to get this person's description, okay, starting with their race. What race are they? African-American, about six feet, 25-ish, short locks. He has on a hoodie. I mean. All right, are you or anyone else in danger right now? Uh, No. Okay. All right, and what property did they take? From what I know, it was printers at another location. Okay, but my gotcha. LP told me to call the police just to see if there was something that you all could do, or if not, then it is what it is. I'm okay. <laughs> all right. Don't disturb anything at the scene. An officer will be dispatched as soon as possible. Office Depot, would you like to update your statement? So here's the thing. If that young man would have responded a particular way, he could be dead or seriously injured right now. The employee doesn't even say possible, we suspect. No, he did it and he did it at the other store, send somebody now. He has the receipt, that means somebody checked him out. That means it's on your cameras that there was no theft Ever put up the statement of civil rights attorney Harry Daniel. This wasn't some simple mistake or miscommunication, said Daniels. Office Depot knew he wasn't some kind of criminal. He paid for the printers himself. He had the receipts, all they saw was a young black man in a hoodie. The fact is that if Anarion has shown any frustration or irritation at all, if he'd raised his voice or insisted on his rights, this could have ended up ended very differently. Then Office Depot would have blood on their hands instead of printer ink. Here we are. So what was the criminal element here? Where did one assume he stole something? Is it just because he has an expensive item and he's a young African-American male? That's it, but he paid for it. You still assume he stole two locations, police called. According to the mother, you denied telling her the reality of that 911 call, you know, this is um, just the beginning of this story. All right, Ravana, thoughts here. Well, first they tried to, you know, they they tried to frame this young black, uh, you know, man as a criminal because he is a young black man, and then they tried to deny the existence of evidence to his mother because she's a black woman, and they, you know, are coming from this place of assuming, assuming that they're, you know, going to be able to 
to get out a get away with this. They're gonna be able to get away with not providing them the evidence so that they're gonna get a, be able to get away with lying on what happened in, in this story as they have been from the very beginning. And I think what we're gonna see now is that they're with more attention on the story, they're gonna try to settle this very quickly because they're yeah. not gonna want the negative pushback that they're gonna rightfully be receiving. But it's important to highlight that this happened and that Office Depot is seemingly okay with this type of racial profiling in its stores. They were willing to lie about what happened. And I also wanna highlight that the police were not, they said in that statement, the police were not satisfied with being shown the receipts. Then they wanted information. Well, what do you need with all these printers? It is none of their goddamn business. That's right. Not even a little bit. There is no justification they could provide for continuing to question him and demanding he tell them why he's buying those printers. He bought them lawfully. You know that he bought them lawfully. What he does with those printers is entirely his business and not the police's whatsoever. They were trying to insinuate he was doing some sort of criminal activity with the printers. They were trying to continue to criminalize this young black man and you know, Thankfully, it's not gonna work in this case because there's a tension on it now because they have great representation. And I hope Office Depot and the police are held accountable for what happened here. That's right, and we will bring you updates as they come. I guaranteed Office Depot is going to say something now. All right, welcome back. Okay, very interesting. Um, let me remind everyone, justice is coming. Make sure you get that, tyt.com slash justice, available now. All right, available now, it's a remarkable book, I'm gonna make you think. And I really hope more people outside of just us in the progressive movement. I really hope a lot of people read this book with different backgrounds because it actually synergizes our underlying collective frustration with the powers that be on both sides. All right, a great book. Jang did a remarkable job, brilliantly written. All right, I got a question for you. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. A shirtless barefoot man led police on a slow speed chase. Put up the picture for a mask. Where was this? Well, LAPD. He was inside of a stolen golf cart 
decided to ride through the streets of Los Angeles with a dog in his lap. The man allegedly stole the vehicle from a nearby shopping center, prompting the slow chase. After multiple failed um, spike strip attempts, the man drove (laughs) the car into a nearby parking lot. Hopping out with the dog in arm, he ran around an unloading semi truck just before being taken into custody by cops who did did take the dog uh, to safety. Uh, So here's the thing, Um, he almost got away. That's the part that's baffling about this whole thing. Uh, So no, the spike strips did not work, Uh, the tires are not real. Tires were airing them like that, kind of just rubber. All right, Sharon, thoughts here. Well, the police, I guess, were following protocol. I just think yeah. you could have run up beside him, Dr. Richie. Just take the keys out and let's <laughs> end this thing, okay? You, you literally was, could have just jogged and said, yeah. hey, man, come on, man, get out of the car. Get out of the he car. Didn't even know they were after him. The way <laughs> he was looking around. Right. He's <laughs> trying to avoid the incident. It was That's him. Right. Oh, man. All right. Okay. Always a pleasure, Sharon, having you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Well, I love uh, being around. Love it, uh, Doc. So thank you for having me. Um, available, TYT Sports, another installment recorded today. I hope folks will check it out at oh, yeah. Sharon Reed Live across all platforms. Um, just trying to do what I do, fight the good fight. And you following do Following in your footsteps. Well. No, following no, in no. your footsteps. Iron sharp as iron. That's it. I appreciate all you do. I appreciate all you do for me too. Uh, for, for those who don't know, when I first got on television, CBS 46 News, it was Sharon Reed, the premier anchor. All right. <laughs> Sharon Reed is the one who literally guided me, taught me, and helped me understand television. I had no idea what I was doing. I Took just want to like say thank you again. Oh, just, my pleasure. I said, this, you got to get this guy on. He's saying some things that nobody else is saying. And lo and so behold. appreciate you. Mm. Yep. Still here. Look at that. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing. All appreciate right. You more. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. 